transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM, WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area, this is Trump Watch, a weekly series examining how President Donald J. Trump and his administration are changing the world we live in. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. For 40 years, the Islamic Republic's Revolutionary Guard Corps has actively engaged in terrorism and created supported and directed other terrorist groups. The IRGC masquerades as a legitimate military organization, but none of us should be fooled. It regularly violates the laws of armed conflict. It plans, organizes, and executes terror campaigns all around the world. Its operatives have worked to destabilize the Middle East from Iraq to Lebanon to Syria and to Yemen. With this designation, the Trump administration is simply recognizing a basic reality. That was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announcing on Monday that the U.S. government would be designating the elite Iranian military unit known as the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corp, or the IRGC for short, as a foreign terrorist organization. Footage courtesy of CBS News, edited for time. Hello and welcome to Trump Watch. This declaration is the first time a U.S. president has branded a government agency as a terrorist group in the history of our country. President Trump admitted as much in a statement issued that same day, reading in part, quote, This designation will be the first time that the United States has ever named a part of another government as a foreign terrorist organization. It underscores the fact that Iran's actions are fundamentally different from those of other governments. So what is it about this part of the Iranian government that puts it in a class by itself, at least according to the president? Joining us now live on the phone to help explain the wider meaning of this unprecedented action is Carol Morello, the diplomatic correspondent for The Washington Post. Hello, Carol. Welcome to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for making some time for us today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. In Secretary of State Pompeo's announcement on Monday, he described what he classified as 40 years of terrorism uh, throughout the history of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Can you explain exactly what sorts of actions the State Department is focusing on to justify this new classification of the IRGC? Well, when he goes back 40 years, uh, the beginning of the, uh, the year of the Islamic Revolution, He's, of course, talking about the taking of American hostages at the U.S. Embassy. Uh, more recently, he's talking about uh, they, the United States estimates more than 600 American servicemen were killed in Iraq uh, at the hands of militias linked to Iran. Uh, he claims Iran has American uh, service members' blood on their hands. And in Europe, there have been a couple of cases. They have made some arrests taken some people into custody, uh, suspected of uh, planning to or plotting to uh, put a bomb at a at an anti-Iranian government rally in Paris. And uh, there was a, a planned assassination, it is alleged, in, uh, I think it was Germany. So, uh, you know, there, there are some continuing things that are of concern to this day to both the United States and to the Europeans, who, as you know, don't see eye to, the, eye, to eye with the United States on the uh, on the nuclear deal. But when it comes to things like terrorism and violence, there's concern all around. 
Yet, according to data from the European Commission, the European Union uh, was Iran's third largest trading partner, at least uh, back in 2016. How will the U.S. uh, designating this section of Iran's military affect our interactions with allies like the EU? Well, as far as the European Union is concerned, a lot of European businesses had already stopped doing business with Iran because of sanctions that were reimposed when the United States pulled out of the uh, nuclear deal and reimposed the sanctions that had been lifted. So that's what that reflects, and there's a great deal of consternation among European allies at the U.S. position on the nuclear deal. They consider the nuclear deal to be vital to their national security. But on issues like human rights violations, missile testing, and some of these acts of violence, uh, they're pretty much on the same page with the United States. So it's something they're not happy about, but they live with it. This may be an impossible question to answer, but do you have any sense of how much the president was invested in this terrorist designation, or if it was Secretary of State Pompeo pushing for this? Well, I certainly was not in the room, (laughs) uh, you know. (laughs) But I can... But I can tell you that uh, I think that Donald Trump was very invested. In fact, Secretary Secretary Pompeo was scheduled to announce these designations, and about uh, 15 minutes before Pompeo came out, the White House put out a press release with Donald Trump announcing it. Uh, It is many most analysts think it is not simply a coincidence uh, that. This was announced the day before the election in Israel. It was seen as a gift to Benjamin Netanyahu uh, in an attempt to show support because of the special relationship the United States and Israel have. Of course, it's impossible not to note the timing. As you mentioned, uh, you published an article earlier today entitled Netanyahu Win Would Complicate Prognosis for Peace Plan, analysts say in which you quoted Aaron David Miller, a Middle East analyst for the Wilson Center, who's advised six different secretaries of state on Israeli-Arab negotiations, as saying, quote, the Trump administration helped enable and create a situation in which, yes, the president got what he wanted, Benjamin Netanyahu re-elected. Now that we know that Netanyahu at least appears to have eked out a very narrow victory, how much do you believe this announcement from the Trump administration coming when it did, helped him to get elected to a fifth term? Uh, Well, it may have pulled a few people off the the fence, uh, or maybe not off the fence, but it may have pulled a few people who might have been considering voting for other parties to, uh, to vote for Netanyahu. Certainly Netanyahu tweeted that he was grateful for it, and it was a reflection of their uh, close relationship. So, Uh, He was quite pleased with it. It had been on his wish list for a while, but there had been a number of other things. This was just the latest in a series of actions the administration has taken to show their support. As it's worth noting, previous administrations have also shown their support for Israeli, various Israeli political parties, but it has usually been in support of the U.S.-sponsored peace process. Right. Speaking of Netanyahu's Twitter statement, 
as you pointed out in the article, he thanked his, quote, dear friend Donald Trump for what he described as, quote, the answer to another important request. But he omitted those words about the request from the English translation of the same tweet. Is the Israeli prime minister trying to have it both ways here? Uh, I think the Israeli prime minister is trying to be sure that everyone who votes in his country is well aware of his close relationship with the White House. Donald Trump is very popular in Israel, and uh, he wanted to be sure everyone knew about it. Uh, It's much more controversial in the United States because the American Jewish community uh, is much more split. uh, You know, some of the support for Netanyahu is not really strong among liberal American uh, Jewish community, but he's very popular in Israel. So I think that was a reflection of his his knowledge that the that American Jews, many American Jews, react differently than Israeli Jews do when it comes to Donald Trump. So playing this out with the assumption that. Uh, This was a gift from the Trump administration to keep Netanyahu in power. Why do you believe that that is so important to them? Well, among Israelis, there is great recognition that their relationship with the United States provides security for them. Uh, and there are generally two relationships he's played up with, actually. He's made sure to be photographed with Vladimir Putin as well, uh, since Russia's becoming a, a power in near, has become a power in nearby Syria. But they realize that their most Israelis recognize that their security rests in their relationship and the protection provided them by the United States. I'm speaking with Carol Morello, the diplomatic correspondent for The Washington Post covering the State Department. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. Uh, Carol, according to your article, since 1993, the U.S. government has used the foreign terrorist organization designation more than 60 times, uh, uh, with the designation coming with a 20-year prison sentence for anyone found to be providing material support to that kind of terrorist organization. What does this mean now that the designation is being applied to a foreign government for the first time? Well, let's be clear, when when it said it's applied for the first time to a foreign government, that's a State Department designation. The Treasury Department has already designated it a foreign terrorist organization. So in terms of having secondary sanctions, anyone who has any dealings with anyone uh, who does business with the Revolutionary Guards would be subjected to a prison sentence. So it does have some impact. There, it's it will affect whether anyone who ever has worked for a company that's connected with the Revolutionary Guards can get a visa, for example. But because the country is already so heavily sanctioned and has been designated uh, the leading state sponsor of terrorism, the entire country has, the entire government has, for a long time, the actual practical impact is not huge. Speaking more locally about the region, do you believe this U.S. designation uh, for the IRGC will have any significant effect on the way the Iranian government interacts with their neighboring countries in the region? 
Well, it's a little difficult to say, but if you just take them, take at what they're, look at what they're saying, you know, it seems to have basically stiffened their spine. Uh, they've designated the U.S. CENTCOM a terrorist organization. It, they show no signs whatsoever of doing anything to change their behavior, which is the stated reason, the stated rationale for why the United States is taking these diplomatic and economic actions against uh, Iran. So there, there's no evidence it will make any difference. You're painting a picture of a, an Iran that's increasingly isolated by sanctions and I would assume other actions uh, along the same lines as this new one. Uh, who are Iran's main trading partners right now? Well, it sells a lot of oil to Turkey. Uh, it just opened up a uh, its airline, the, one of the state airlines, just opened up a route to Venezuela. Uh, it does business, sells a lot of oil to India. Uh, some of it's even approved, gets a special waiver from the United States because there's a port that India runs that sends Iranian oil to Afghanistan. So, uh, you know, Russia... There are any number of countries, but yes, it's it's isolated. But this is a country, Iran is a country that has put up with so much for so many years. They've shown tremendous resilience when they were at war with Iraq, for example. Iraq is another big trading partner, by the way. They buy most of their electricity from uh, from Iran. So, you know, they they are very adept at being resilient and being able to put up with things that would cause a furor in a country where it made a difference among the voting population. So, Where do you think all of this is heading? Do you have any sense uh, if this is just more heated rhetoric from a commander-in-chief, very clearly fond of heated rhetoric, or is there a genuine risk of this escalating into a military conflict between the U.S. and Iran? Well, the risk is certainly there. You know, the Iranians could, for example, take action against uh, ships in the Red Sea. Uh, they could, they could, or in the Straits of Hormuz, they could do any number of things that could just be an act of stupidity, for lack of a better word, and it could quickly escalate out of control. But... There are no signs that, at this point, that the administration really wants to go to war with Iran. Uh, It's just that things have a way of getting out of hand, so there's always that risk. We currently have a president seemingly uh, hell-bent on breaking as many norms as he can while he's in the Oval Office, but how significant is the abandoning of this specific norm that we don't call out other government agencies as being agents of terror? Well, but we do call out other government agents of being agencies as being agents of terror. There are now four countries on the list of state depart- state sponsors of terrorism. Uh, you know, we have done this. It's, it can have a tremendous impact on the economies of these countries. Uh, which is why it's much more popular to do things like like heavily sanction a country uh, because it doesn't involve having to send troops on the ground. But uh, it, because so much of the 
so much of the commerce in the world is conducted and the financial system is linked to the U.S. dollars, it can have a huge impact on this, on, on these countries. There are four, and it's any number of, in, in years past, you can get off, this, off the list of state sponsors of terrorism. But many countries, I think Sudan has been on for 20 years or so, uh, you know, it, it becomes, uh, it, it's something that, it's, a, it's what they call part of the toolkit of diplomacy. And it's one that various governments, various administrations have used. It's just the Trump administration uses it much more heavily than previous administrations have. And is the distinction, and it sounds like it's mostly a linguistic one at this point, but is it state sponsors of terrorism as opposed to now calling uh, this part of the Iranian military uh, an actual terrorist organization? Is, is that why this is a first? Uh, well, that yes, that that's true. They they are calling it. They are they are saying that not only does it sponsor terrorism, but it actually commits terrorism itself. To turn back in our last couple minutes here to the Israeli election for prime minister, what do you think this will mean for U.S. Iran relations now that Netanyahu appears to have such a or continues to have such a strong influence over policy in the region from the U.S. Well, I can tell you, uh, I, I'm a reporter, not an analyst. I can tell you what the analysts I spoke to today told me. Uh, certainly, in the short run, uh, it means that there are there are going to be these. It cements the ties that already exist very closely between this administration and Netanyahu's government. Uh, in the long run, it may be, it's a little difficult to predict. Some think it could be, you know, a terrible mistake, and there's going to be a price to pay down the road. It could also create problems with some of the some of the Democrats, the more progressive Democrats in Congress. Uh, many of whom are already critical of the policies of Netanyahu and the treatment of the Palestinians. So, uh, you know, in the in the short term, everything will seem to be uh, going well. Netanyahu said he wants to annex the West Bank, and Pompeo has refused in testimony to Congress in the last two or three days. Uh, he's pointedly refused to say that the United States still favors a two-state solution. So it seems like the idea of a two-state solution is dead. And while they are still saying Jared Kushner's peace proposal is going to be rolled out soon, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any possibility that the Palestinians would agree with it. So that's pretty much dead on arrival as well. How is this being reported in Iran? Is this just framed as the U.S. and Israel, a sign of their uh, them being in lockstep. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's a <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to put it. Uh, they they are sort of they're trying to stay out of the way, but uh, you know they are looking at uh, the United States, the government of the United States, as being out of control, and they use the same kind of language towards the U.S. government that the United States government uses towards the Iranian government, or regime, as they call it. Can we expect some similar action or a similar declaration from the Iranian government? 
Well, they've already done that with Central Command. Uh, they've declared Central Command a terrorist organization, but it seems to be just words right now. Uh, you know, there's a, there is the danger that the Revolutionary Guards, which are very powerful, could become emboldened enough and, uh, you know, maybe stage an attack on a U.S. embassy or U.S. service personnel. I think, while they don't talk about the specifics uh, of their security procedures, it is clear they have stepped up security at bases around the world. There's concern that that could happen. But, uh, you know, there's, there's no way to tell whether it's just words or if something will really happen. At this point, there's a lot of speculation. And the Islamic, finally, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps within Iran, how are they perceived by the average citizen there? Well, it's a little difficult for me to say. Uh, because you, pro- you may remember my newspaper had a reporter who was held in Iran for a year and a half, and so we don't have any reporters since Jason Rezaian was finally freed. We don't have any reporters there. We sort of follow it from afar. But uh, I think there is a recognition that is extremely powerful and uh, has a lot of corruption that is based on just the the public protests that you have been you've been reading about. Uh, there have been massive protests throughout the country, anti-government protests, largely over the failing economy, uh, but also concern about things like civil rights. So, you know, it's hard. You can't talk about the government without talking about the Revolutionary Guards, and you can't talk about the IRGC without implicitly talking about the, about the, the government and sort of the clerical rulers of the country. Well, thank so, you. Go ahead. That's all. That's well, all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. Thank you. Nice being with you. I've been speaking with Carol Morello, the diplomatic correspondent for The Washington Post covering the State Department. She co-wrote the April 8th article with Ann Guerin entitled Trump to Designate Iranian Military Unit as a Terrorist Group. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. And that's all for this week. Reggie Johnson engineered this program live. You can hear all 111 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter and join us again next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. when we'll break down a different aspect of the Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time.
ਕਿਨੇ ਕੇ 